Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is the narrative that the Kremlin wants, that everything is okay now, everyone pulled together, we're going to hold these people to account, we're not going after these soldiers, these Wagner mercenaries, the ones that didn't do anything wrong, they can sign up and become uh, a proper part of the military. And no surprise, uh, Putin blaming the West and Ukraine for trying to foment and exploit this situation. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to follow over the next several days. Uh... There's there's no way Prigozhin's going back to just being a regular guy, right? No, no. He's he's probably going to head for exile somewhere and, and watch his back the rest of his life. He'll buy his way into some oil emirate or something and, and you know, live a lavish life until somebody puts one in his brain. Yeah, so Ian Bremmer's uh, reporting on it last night from his sources was, well, kind of what we were guessing yesterday. Uh, he Prigozhin was welcomed as he crossed the border into Russia. He's headed toward Moscow. He takes a couple of different towns, people cheering in the streets. But as he was marching toward Moscow, he was in communication, and none of the oligarchs, none of the big military leaders in the Russian government, none, no, nobody in the government, nobody joined him. They all said, hey, you're on your own on this one, buddy. And he yeah. thought they would, they thought, that, you know, it's like... I don't know. You can go go back to Shakespeare. He thought um, he thought people would switch to his side, and they didn't. Good analysis in the New York Times. The headline is "His Glory Fading." A Russian warlord took one last stab at power, and and the story was several things that unfolded. Um, He's a psychopath. That, gets left out of this story too much. He's a psychopath. Oh yeah, that's true. It's absolutely true. 
But he uh, he was in that feud with the military for a long time and was uh, he was like the only guy in the world allowed to criticize. Well, certainly in the Russian world, allowed to criticize the war effort. And he's mouthing off constantly. And we were talking about it for weeks. How does he get away? Why is Putin putting up with it? What What's going to happen next? Well, as it turns out, it became more and more clear that Putin was pushing him aside. Um, his uh, his private army had been sidelined. They were told, you've all got to sign contracts with the Russian uh, military. You can't be independent anymore. His lucrative catering contracts had come under threat. Uh, the commander he wanted got sacked. The guys he hated the most Putin stood up with and said, these are my guys. And so he he knew he was screwed. So he thought he would make this last ditch demonstration of his power and influence. But like you said, he was working the phones as he was walking toward Moscow and nobody was picking it up. Nobody was taking his calls. So I don't think Putin's a psychopath. He's maybe a sociopath or whatever dictators tend to be. But Putin doesn't videotape himself caving in people's heads with a sledgehammer while they're tied to a wall. I mean, that's some pretty crazy behavior. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just think it's a different style because Putin has people killed brutally all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just think Prigozhin has, uh, was it, Prigozhin's a lot closer to the street still. So his shows of toughness were much more street. I guess Putin's I, are subtle. Oh, he slipped out a window. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. That's what I thought. I guess I was just thinking, if I have to choose one of those guys to be in charge of Russia and the nuclear arsenal, I'm actually picking Putin. I would agree. Yeah. Which is an awful situation to be in. I was going to say, that's a hell of a choice. Thank you. You want to get stabbed in the eye or set on fire? Well, gee, let me think about it. Oh, speaking of militaries, this is, I think, under-discussed in America. Several branches of the U.S. military, really anybody but the Marines, are falling well short of their recruiting goals, despite a bunch of initiatives taken undertaken by all the branches that are designed to attract as many quality recruits as possible, um, and nobody sees an easy fix. The Army missed its goal by 25%. That's 15,000 soldiers in fiscal year 2022. They're projected to be almost that short uh, this year, about 10,000 soldiers short. The Air Force, meanwhile, met its active duty target in 2022, but expects to be 10,000 airmen short of its goal this year. I the Navy the expects to miss its target of about 38,000 active duty sailors by 6,000. I'm aware that the Marines is smaller, so obviously they need fewer people. But I think there's something to the idea that they meet the recruitment goals when their rep is like, we're the best. We, you got to be super tough. You got to like really excel. And just the way that filters into a lot of the rest of our culture where uh, this, this um, we're going to motivate people through the idea that Everybody just kind of needs to like do okay, and it doesn't seem to be working. Whereas there's 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 much more of a human nature aspect to I want to be part of the best and excel and strive. You know, it's the setting high goals for children, and they and they reach them as opposed to just kind of let's have everybody barely be able to read and barely graduate high school. And it just right. doesn't seem to be very motivating. Right, I would agree. Yeah, people like hierarchies, in spite of the left's uh, attempt to destroy them or, you know, render them irrelevant, uh, whether in education or whatever. Uh, There's a little more information on this, and it's fairly troubling. 
Uh, many of the causes of, for the shortfalls are outside the military's control. Uh, only 23% of Americans between the ages of 17 and 24 meet the physical and mental requirements for military service. Only 23%. That's Army amazing. Aptitude, oh, yeah, yeah. Army aptitude test scores fell by 10% during the COVID pandemic. You know, to me, you almost have to grade it on a curve. Everybody knows what happens with people not in school and the rest of it. And if you have to bring people up to speed, bring them up to speed um, to have the armed forces be at adequate levels. Uh, Up to 70% of potential Army recruits are now disqualified in the first 48 hours due to obesity, low test scores, or drug use. Up to 70% of recruits. So that's people who express an interest. Obesity, low test scores, and drug use, or drug use. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. So, so that one's uh, well. That's basically what that is. Yeah, you're you're high. You're too dumb to pass the test scores, or you're too fat. It's fat, drunk, and stupid. Hmm, that's no good. So if you're 40 years old and would love to be in the Navy, you can sail the seven seas in the Navy. You can put your mind at ease. Um, in the uh, in January, the Navy raised its maximum age for new recruits from 39 to 41. You know, and this it's experimented with lowering entrance exam requirements. I would grant a COVID um, uh, lowering of standards. I think that's different than like an for all time systemic lowering of standards. Well, then, and then we we can't we got into this yesterday. I don't remember what spurred this conversation, but it was the idea of why do we have hardly any physical requirements whatsoever if you're going to be a computer geek or an accountant or whatever you're going to be, and and why couldn't you be 55 and be in the Navy if you're a computer dude? Right. You know, it reminds me a little bit of our our conversation yesterday where the Tucson Police Department was hiring non-cops as detectives. And they decided that you got to be three years a a street cop is not necessary, really. So can we designate certain branches of the military, the cerebral branches or whatever? Dude's never going to hold a gun. He's never going to stick a bayonet in somebody. He's never or she's never going to be in a trench, but she happens to be brilliant. At logistics planning or, or computers or whatever. He can't drag a 150 pounds across this whatever. He's never going to have to. He's he, a hacker. Yeah, exactly. So, And I don't understand the age requirement for that either. So, huh. I think it may be time to move beyond some of the 20th century conceptions of the military, what it does and how it does it. In fact, I know it with certainty that it is. And I understand tradition and conservatism in the military uh, and, and discipline and that sort of thing. And you don't, I have railed against some of the social experiments sure, absolutely. that Congress has forced the military to engage in. So I'm not talking about just wholesale dropping all traditions, but is there some blind spot, some some uh, a flaw to our reasoning that we're missing uh, drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, or if you want, to text 415-295-KFTC. A follow-up co- to a couple of stories, maybe when we come back. Come back, we got a, a number of texts around the whole Taylor Swift's phenomenon and psychiatrists having to treat young girls for Taylor Swift mania or Swift, Swifty mania. There's a name for it. I'm, it's escaping me right now. Swiftalaria? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um the extent to which AI is or isn't an existential threat to humanity, and among other things uh, that we will get to coming up. 
Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Look, this guy is a former convict turned hot dog salesman, turned caterer, turned international mercenary. He's a vicious criminal, just as bad as Putin is in many ways, just without the power. And um, and also a risk taker by nature throughout his career. Senator Marco Rubio talking about what a bad guy Prigozhin was, but it just reminded me. Uh, Hansen said he, he, just, he saw a segment where they produced the W-A-G-N-E-R group three different ways in one segment. Wagner... <laughs> Wagner, and what was the other one, Hanson? <laughs> Three different ways. Anyway, so I don't know which it is now. Wagner. Wagner, Wagner. There's no Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, Wagner, Wagner. Okay. <clears throat> Whatever. Potato, potato. Um, We're talking about meeting the recruitment goals in the armed forces. Somebody said in the Navy, because you're on a ship, you could have to deal with a fire or all different kinds of things, so we need people physically fit. All the... Is everybody in the Navy end up on a ship, though? 
I don't actually know this, but... Mm. Are there plenty of people in the Navy who are not on ships? Well, yeah, back at headquarters and stuff, but uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. And, uh, and there and, are and there are administrators and clerks and sure. stuff in every branch, right? Yeah, obviously, and computer operators. Um, they want people so badly. This person says, but they kept my son out because when he was thirteen, he was given a medicine for a cold. That medicine also happens to be a medicine that some people take for asthma. Because that was on his medical record. For that reason, they denied him entry in the Army, the Marines, and the Air Force because of the medication they said classified as an asthma verification. So I don't care if they're short. It's stupid rules like that that keep people from joining up. Yeah, there's some of that. I uh, know personally a youngish adult who was interested in a military career and was given some advice uh, quite a bit and repeatedly from the recruiter. And then the civilian screeners um, were very, very unhappy with the answers that the recruiter had said to give. And it just went sour, and that young person decided, never mind. Oh, boy, that's not good. Yeah. That wouldn't yeah. need to happen a that wouldn't have to happen a lot to really affect your numbers. Right, cuz they want all sorts of medical information, they want all sorts of psychological information, and I mean for instance, um maybe you sought counseling when your parents went through a very ugly divorce. And the recruiter says, no, don't say you got counseling because they'll think maybe there's a mental problem going on or whatever. And then the military, then the civilian screener people say, and I'm making up this example. They say, well, we see here that you blankety blank and blankety blank. And then they'll figure out that, okay, you did get a couple of counseling sessions and now everything's up in doubt and we don't want you and blah, blah, blah. But the recruiter told you, no, don't even bring that up. That's just going to cloud the waters. So, you know, that's just well, crazy. So that's the thing that we talk about all the time. It's an interesting thing on the conservative side of politics where uh, a lot of people don't equate the government with the military. But the military is absolutely the government and is obviously capable of being every bit as screwed up as anything else is in government. Mm-hmm. With way too many overlapping this and that or bureaucracy disease or all kinds of different things. Enormous amounts of waste. Right. And wasted time. Um, Different topic. So we were talking about Taylor Swift and this psychiatrist writing a piece in the New York Times about how many female patients, younger female patients, bring up Taylor Swift. It's really interesting. Uh, But they were really struggling with Taylor Swift coming to town and how are they going to deal with when it's over or the anxiety of when she walks on stage and all that sort of stuff. We did get a text from somebody who must be older talking about Beatlemania. Yeah, I've been watching those videos since I was a little kid. I mean, Beatlemania is before my time, but I've watched those videos my whole life thinking, who are you people? Who are you crying, fainting 15-year-old girls who react this way to you musicians? I mean, I've had some musicians I really liked, but I've never come close to fainting or crying. (laughs) Um, But that's being a guy, I guess. But so, you know, and we obviously didn't think the world was necessarily coming apart in 1964 when teenage girls were crying because they thought Paul was cute. Yeah, yeah. Is it a similar phenomenon? I don't think so. Okay. 
Well, um, part of it is, yeah. But again, that I found that that piece really interesting. Um, that, that you know, I want to hold your hand was a very different connection than Taylor Swift's entire career of sharing her girl feelings. People don't have that bond of wow, she really understands me, and her songs mean so much to me. About I am the walrus. It's just great art. So it's different. Well, it'd be hard to get that from she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with a love like that, you know, it can't be bad. But uh, at the same time, though, and this matters, man. All right. Don't be a one horse pony. This matters. (laughs) When Beatlemania was going on. When I was a Rolling Stones freak and saw the Stones, when I saw Rush a bunch of times or, or the bands I really worshipped, Pink Floyd, um, I had all sorts of real-life friends that I got together with to talk about it and listen to music and hang out, take walks with, whatever. I didn't need Neil Peart's lyrics because I didn't have real-life friends. I live my life online. Mm, that's rough. So I didn't depend on that. I hate even contemplating that. So your all excitement is because this friend who might be one or your only friends, Taylor Swift, comes out on stage. Yeah, it would be tough when the concert's over and she leaves town if that's your connection to the real world. Sort of, kind of, yeah, yeah. By the way, I will choose free will. Still, as always, uh, a little rush reference there for you. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's a complicated thing. And that psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever she was, she makes the point that the music really is good and confessional and, and shares with women, hey, these ups and downs, uh, I famous, beautiful Taylor Swift have dealt with them too, mm. and it's okay in kind of a healthy way. Yeah, at least it's positive. It's not all goth and dark and kill yourself. It's, you know, uplifting sort of stuff. Right. Uh, If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We played the Trump audio earlier in the show. If you're following the news cycle, certainly mainstream news, that's a, a big story. The audio is out of the transcript that we all talked about a couple of weeks ago when he says, hey, look at this. I could have classified it back when I was president. Not now. Or plan to attack Iran or whatever. He would, he was either holding in his hand stuff you really shouldn't be showing to people. Or he was holding a newspaper article or something like that. And right. he's going to argue that in court. We'll see how that turns out. Yeah. The witnesses and everybody, the people there will say what it was and then we'll know. It sounds to me like he was showing attack plans on other countries to random people. There's a fair amount that would back that up in the tape. Yeah. Although the defense gets its turn. I've told the story uh, more than once about being on a jury. And at the end of the prosecution's case, I was like, this guy is guilty. Then by the time the defense was gone, was done, all of us on the jury thought, why did you waste our time? Here's my favorite headline of the day. Elon Musk's mom cancels cage match with Mark Zuckerberg. Elon Musk's mom <laughs> cancels cage match with Mark Zuckerberg. There's actually, a lot there. Actually, the way that's written, because I know the story, I know that Elon and Zuckerberg were going to fight. But the way it's written, it sounds like Elon Musk's mom was going to fight Mark Zuckerberg, which seems weird because I know she's like 80 years old. Things are getting weird and they're getting weird fast. Yeah, but they're not getting that weird. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get to that story first. Abortion. I'm not a guy who really likes to talk about abortion, but I don't know how we missed this story. Well, here's your headline in the National Review. Democratic senator, not a House member. House members are capable of saying anything. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of whack jobs. Many, House many morons in the House, yes. But when a U.S. senator says something... Democratic senator admits he opposes any legal limit on abortion before a baby's due date. I don't know how I missed this from Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream. So uh, Mike Pence was on. You know, he's big on the abortion thing and, uh, and, 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 and believes it's murder and should be illegal. He's, he's, he's that guy. Um, and he talked about how Democrats actually support taxpayer funding of abortions all the way up to the moment of birth. That's supported by maybe 10% of the American people. And he's right about that. Almost nobody supports third-term abortion, especially when you get closer to the due date. Well, so then she has on this Democratic senator, Ben Cardin of Maryland, and asks him about it, and he hems and haws over and over and over again, uh, never, like, really answers the question. 
We support the right of women to make their own decisions, he kept going back to. And then finally, she just ends with, is there a cutoff for you before the due date? No, no. To me, it's a reproductive. It's a healthcare decision. It's up to women to make that decision. A U.S. senator who's unwilling to say, yeah, probably shouldn't have an abortion the day before the due date. Wow. Wow. Wow Wow on a couple of levels. Wow, somebody that believes that, because that's flat out murdering a baby. Yeah. Wow that he says it out loud on Fox News Sunday, and wow that it doesn't get more coverage, given the fact that practically nobody in America would think that was a good idea. Right. I mean, well, you, can, you can be as upset about Roe versus Wade being overturned as you want, still ain't hardly anybody thinks you should be able to execute a baby the day before they are going to be born. Yeah, I find the attitude horrific and shocking. I find the non-coverage of it utterly unsurprising. Wow. I don't feel like you would have said that a few years back. We've gotten so far out there on all these issues, you can't even give that much ground. No, no, for the reasons we've discussed, you've got to show solidarity. You got to signal solidarity with your tribe, no matter how ludicrous, murderous, disgusting it is, because you will pay no price within your tribe. You will lose no support. If my tribe requires that I say I'm pro rape, and I know I will lose no support within my tribe, the modern politician will come out pro rape. Certainly, if you're murdering infants, you'd be soft on rape. Yeah. God, that's an incredible position to take. Wow. It and, is. And, and apparently paid no political price for it. Because it yeah, happens reading, Sunday. It's Tuesday. I'm just now hearing about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Brooks in the New York Times had a really good piece that we're now in the age of spectacle. That was interesting. Um, that spectacle just attracts attention. It's not argument or reasoning or ideas. It's just spectacle. And we're also in the age of performative politics and tribal signaling to the point where somebody can come out pro-infanticide. But I understand, oh, that means they're on my side of pro-choice. The particulars of their horrific point of view don't matter to me. They're on my side. Apparently. When you said the word spectacle, for some reason it reminded me we got a text earlier. We are talking about fireworks with July 4th, a week from today. And somebody said, my buddy blew out his eye last year. Durr. And we call him One-Eyed Jack. How come? Blew his eye out with a firework. Right out. Mm. That's sucko. Anyway, back to the headline of the day. Did Elon Musk's mom stop him from fighting Mark Zuckerberg in a cage match? It appears the fight of the century has been called off. After Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg agreed to throw down in a cage match and uh, Dana White, the UFC person, was going to put it together, they're trying to figure out how to get around the weight difference rules because Elon's like 190 and Zuckerberg's 155 and it's uh, not legal to fight, or at least not in their guidelines, allowed to fight somebody that much bigger than you. But apparently Elon Musk's mother has called off the fight. She confirmed the decision multiple times on Twitter. I would think Zuckerberg's mom would be more of an activist on this uh, question. 
Yeah, he's going to kill you. Uh, I canceled the fight. I haven't told them yet, but I will continue to say the fight is canceled, just in case. <laughs> That's mom talking? That's mom talking, yeah. So, no, so it's on still. She's, all, she's, she's shooting off her mouth. Mind your own business, uh, mom. He's a full-grown man. The idea of the fight quickly got the attention of the combat sports world. Social media influencer and boxer Jake Paul offered to promote the fight. UFC president Dana White predicted it would be the biggest fight ever. It probably would have been. See, it was a, it was laughed at originally, but in the in the world we live in, speaking of spectacle, the age of spectacle, I could see this sort of thing happening actually now. Uh, and it just growing. Now, neither one of them need the money. That's the wild card, because you could get Mike Tyson to fight a tiger because he needs <laughs> money, but Zuck and Elon don't need any money, so that, that that's what lures a lot of people in. I'll pull his tail off. And beat him with the bloody stump. <laughs> uh, uh, Elon's mom said, no joking, fights with words only, in armchairs, four feet apart. Funniest person uh, wins. I saw a quote by Dana White. This would cost $100 to put together and make $100 million. Those that, numbers may be off a little bit, but that's more or less what he was expressing, and I think he's right. It would cost like four figures to put it together, and it would make the most money of any battle ever. Yes. Yeah. Wow. How would you... What would you do with that big a difference in size? Watch a little guy get beat up, I guess. Well, I mean, Zuckerberg could. He certainly has the resources to embark on a uh, an intense training regimen. Well, he's that a, would strengthen he, him and 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 give him like martial arts skills. Well, yeah. Remember, this whole thing started because Zuckerberg was bragging about his whole jujitsu regimen and everything like that. Ah, ah. Well, so, I didn't actually remember how it got started, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> and and I have no concept of Elon seems to work ninety hours a week. I don't know if he exercises at all. He, but you know, forty pound weight advantage, thirty to forty pound weight advantage is an advantage. I don't know about their ages either. Can somebody figure out their ages? I think I think Zuck's quite a bit younger. Katie, if you could Google that for us, that'd be handy. You know what's really underrated in the world of combat is if you can protect your face while you bull rush somebody and take them down, it doesn't matter how skilled somebody is. So Elon Musk is 51 years old. Mark Zuckerberg is 39. Okay, so that's a pretty interesting oh. balance. You'd say mm. 12 years, 40 pounds. Which would you rather? Mm. Having experienced both age and various levels of physical fitness, that's damn near equal. Yeah, now you could do it. Remember we talked about the medieval divorces where the husband and wife would fight but they would oh. bury the husband up to his waist, and he had one arm tied behind his back or something like that? <laughs> this is real, by the way. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not one of Jack's harebrained ideas. <laughs> this is documented. Try to even it out. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe bury Zucker, Elon up to his waist? and Z- I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm thinking that 17 years, 17 years, right, of youth, 34 to 51? That sounds like about a 45-pound, uh, even the scales thing. Get it you know? on, man. Get it on. 
I mean, I would have never thought, if you're old enough to even know who these names are, but I would have never thought that we would see Danny Bonaducci beat down Horshack on TV, but we did. I would have never thought we'd see Tanya Harding beat down Paula Jones, who had sex with Bill Clinton, so she gets beat well, up was by was molested a, by Bill Clinton. All right. Please. Um, yes. She gets beat Rape up. is not sex, Jack. So she gets beat up by a figure skater. I wouldn't have thought that actually would have happened either, but it did. That was the beauty of that show. And by beauty, I mean horror. How they became well-known or whatever just didn't matter. The fact that they could be, that we were so desperate or pathetic, they could be bribed into slugging each other was really the only standard. I mean, why wasn't Tanya Harding fighting another athlete and not a victim of Bill Clinton's sex crimes? Who was significantly older and smaller than Tanya Harding. It was repugnant. Well, Danny Bonaducci was a child star, so that's not repugnant. But then he kind of became more famous as a guy who, like, didn't he pick up a, back in the day when it was a big deal, transvestite prostitute or something like that? He well, and some... he was a big roid freak. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Danny, if I got your backstory wrong. We, we've met Mr. Bonaducci. Had him in studio once. And he was nice I think to he's us, ailing so. right now, isn't yeah, he? He's he is. ill. Yeah. Who, who was the other fight before we take a break? There was another... Do you remember, Michael? This was Celebrity Boxing on Fox. It's like 20 years ago. Screech versus uh, Horshack. Was it Screech Horshack? In the battle of the House of Date sitcom stars. Did I make up the fact that Danny Bonaducci fought someone? Or did he fight somebody different? I don't know. He died. George Jefferson? Some freak show like that. George Jefferson. Some other star of the 70s? Yes. Yes, Katie. Well, who? It was Donnie Osmond. Right. Oh, and really? Donnie Osmond's never done anything to to deserve being beaten up on television. Why did he do that? He's a little bit country. Man, these are some old-timey jokes, man. Old-timey. you got to be a certain age to enjoy this. Yeah, um, yeah and even but, if you are that age, you're probably not. But, but uh, and my, my point was, these people actually beat the crap out of each other. These, like, C-list stars. So why not yeah. Elon and Zuckerberg? God, I was looking forward to that. The wrath of Mark. Wonder what the limit- oh, you know what? I want to see Michael Schellenberger fight Anthony Fauci. We probably ought to get to that COVID origin stuff while oh, we still yeah, have a minute. I'd like to hear. That. I represent science. We will finish strong. Coming up, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. At the beginning, it was called conspiracy theories. Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins' own scientific advisors thought it was more likely than not that the virus escaped from a lab, that they told them that in January 2020. I think this is potentially a massive scandal if what we're looking at here is that the U.S. government contributed to the creation of a global pandemic and then covered up its own role. That is Michael Schellenberger, who was talking to uh, Brett Baer on Special Report. Um, the idea being the U.S. financed the research that unleashed the COVID, you know, scourge on mankind. And then it wasn't just, you know, Peter Daszak and Anthony Fauci who were terrified and decided to cover it up. But really the whole, uh, you know, federal health bureaucracy. Um, and so it went from 
the people who are closest to the top thinking that was the most likely scenario to being actively covered up to the point that Twitter wouldn't even let you speculate about it mm. as they sent out their tentacles of power and influence. Um, and, and Matt Taibbi has some brilliant stuff on that recently. I'll, I'll share it with you tomorrow maybe. But a couple more. This is Brett Baron, Marco Rubio talking about the DNI report that was supposed to be entirely declassified. Are you satisfied with this DNI report? I'm, I'm not. I don't think it's a coincidence it was released on a Friday afternoon when Congress was out of town. It still has a classified annex to it. When, we, when the law we passed basically said declassify everything. So there must have been a presidential national security exception to keep that. So I'm very interested to see the classified annex to see where it justifies it. What we're hoping for is some intelligence that shows that two scientists were on the phone telling, gee, hey, we have this pandemic. We caused it. That's silly. We may never see that. But I do think there's a tremendous amount of circumstantial evidence that taken as a whole and combined with common sense leads you to believe that the lab leak uh, theory is the most highly probable, beginning with the fact that two years into this, two and a half years later, the Chinese have not yet produced the animal. They've never come forward, unlike they did with MERS and SARS, and said, here's the animal with the virus. They still haven't done that. I didn't know that. So in pandemics past, they have come up with the actual animal involved. Okay. Yeah, and it's gone from bats to pangolins to whatever else, that to weird bear cat or cat dog or whatever it was. Uh, one more, uh, 62, more on uh, the Wuhan lab. We know, including from my own investigations, my staff released a report a couple uh, a month ago, we released a report from my office, that they were already talking about serious bio lab safety incidents occurring there as early as the summer of 2019 and September of 2020. They were drilling for a pandemic. There was mentions of a novel coronavirus. All of this was not even intelligence. We were able to find it open source before they took it off the Internet. The circumstantial evidence, in my view, is overwhelmingly now on the side of the lab leak theory. And I think eventually at some point that's going to be revealed. So there are two stories here. The obvious one about the lab leak theory, but also how do government officials spread their tentacles of power out to the private sector to get Twitter, Facebook, the New York Times, everybody else to execute their wishes and stifle free speech. And that's the one we'll talk about tomorrow. Fire thoughts! Yes! With your hosts, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. That's in honor of the uh, gent who created that, who's uh, got a special day today. I'm not going to go into detail, otherwise we'd get 70 million such requests, but he brought us that gem, so I figured I'd indulge him. Birthday? Uh, Wedding anniversary? uh, uh, Wedding, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ah, That's how he's going to say I do. (laughs) And I do. Uh, let's get a final thought from everybody. Michelangelo, lead us off. i got to be real quick here. I Bring back celebrity boxing. That's all I've got to say. I loved it at the time. I know it was bad, but um, it was entertaining. It's indefensible and you're a monster. Our esteemed newswoman, Katie Green. Katie, final thought? When I was about 9 or 10 years old, I was on a scuba diving boat with Donny Osmond and two of his sons, and the boat started to sink. So we had to come back to shore in an emergency situation. And he was wow. one of the nicest guys in the world. But oh. that was my Donny Osmond experience. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, brush with aquatic greatness. Jack, final thought? Man, I don't have time to get into it. I guess I will tomorrow. The phone calls between Prigozhin and Putin and 
Uh, and that president of um, Belarus. Lukashenko, yeah. Lukashenko, Belarus, yeah. The, the, the transcript is more or less out, and it's really interesting on, wow. on how that went down. Holy crap. Maybe we'll get to that later. My final thought is go to armstrongandgetty.com. Pick yourself up a one-horse pony A&G t-shirt. <laughs> See you tomorrow. God bless America. My most irrational fear is being Armstrong and Getty. You're a one-horse pony. <laughs> Uh, bring some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. Don't you think that's a little odd? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. So let's go out with a bang. Well, I mean, he's pr- he's quite possibly a member of sex clubs on both coasts. Yeah, I've, I've attended many myself, and uh, it's mainly a coastal thing. I asked in Omaha, but they, uh, well, they arrested. Have a terrific day. Armstrong and Getty. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.